another episode of Notes from the Aleph. And Aleph is a high point for which all things are visible, and from our vantage point, we'll be looking at tabletop role-playing games, their design, and the theory behind those designs. Around here, our motto is to be fair, build up, and have fun. I'm your host, Griffin Bro, joined by our editor, Theta, our local designer, Norman Rafferty, and our good friends and GMs, Red Rabbit and Lesson Learned. When it comes to tabletop games, I have 15 years of experience running, playing, and frequently fixing problematic rule sets at the table. Pronouns are he, him, they, them. Uh, lessons, when'd you go second? Yes, I uh, go by Lessons Learn and here on YouTube. Uh, also, Lessons Learn on Twitch, actually, right now on Twitch and later on YouTube. Uh, being a, a player and GM for over 20 years. Also, I have a book over Amazon.com, uh, Nights and Stars, and I run the local Ractus game on Sundays, uh, Greyhawk 5th uh, Edition. We are ramping up to the grand finale. So, if you want to see the exciting slug match that it is, uh, you know, going against Fire Giants and even much more worse then by all means, join us every Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern uh, U.S. for more of that action. All right, Red. Okay, you can call me Red or Red Rabbit, and I am running our Wednesday Iron Claw game. It's a furry RPG about a overly detailed medieval setting where animals do war and have religious uh, outrage. But um, as for myself, I am currently running games of Iron Claw and going back to Vampire, and occasionally 5th edition, and I consider myself a student of narrative design and of game design. And last but not least, Rafferty. Hello world, I am Norman Rafferty, he him, I work for Sanguine Games, I am the winner of the 1994 Call of Cthulhu International Tournament, thank you, I was smashed by the god of Yig in the last round. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and that's the closest I've gotten to, like, hardcore professional role-playing. I guess. Well, actually, we're uh, we're pros, right? We're on, like, oh yeah, we're we're absolutely professional. Yeah. Oh yeah. And plus, when this time left over, I design stuff. All right. So, with everyone's introduction out of the way today, Rafferty, why don't you go ahead and lead us into this one? Okay, I'll make this quick. Okay, first of all, all of you should be reading Jack Vance. Jack Vance was an excellent uh, science fiction and fantasy author. Uh, wrote the Cadwall Chronicles, uh, the Lioness trilogy. Uh, they're really good. They're really breezy. Uh, they're like Game of Thrones, but with a sense of Shakespearean fun with them. Today I'm talking a bit about the Dying Earth saga, which was a huge inspiration of Dungeons and Dragons, because when you read it. And there's a character in it called Loader Mulch. Best name ever. Loader Mulch always resonates with me with several reasons. First of all, he's named Loader Mulch. Isn't that like that's like the name of some role-playing gamer would come up with, right? Are we pronouncing it right? Is it Loader Mulch? Anyway. I, I think Loader Mulch works. Lodermold shows up in the middle of the Kugel Saga series, which is, so he's not even the star. He shows up, and all the other characters are mean to him. They cheat him out of his uh, hotel room in a comic sequence. And later they get into a fight where everybody uh, surrenders or tries to hold back, and Lodermulch literally jumps off of a boat, swims to shore, and beats everybody up all by himself. Uh, he's that really cool and badass. And so later, of course, one of the other characters uh, decides during the night when everyone's asleep to go through Lodermulch's stuff and steal all of it because he has some pretty cool loot. Only to discover that Lodermulch in the middle of the night has disappeared. He has jumped off of the riverboat or something and will never be seen again for the entire Kugel saga. We never get any closure on what happened to him or where he was. He just showed up, kicked ass for one scene, and then left. And the reason why it resonates with me is because... Many of us probably have some moments where we've been in a tabletop game where we wanted to play a real badass character or do some really cool stuff and had a miserable experience. <laughs> 
that uh, uh, anything we did, everyone else was no-selling it. Uh, any sort of lore that we applied to our character wasn't part of what was going on. Uh, and um, But I also want to point here that like this is an example of like a non-toxic behavior. Loader Mulch shows up, takes the story seriously, works for the betterment of the entire party, but then pieces out and never comes back to get it never comes back. And this is like a prelude to all those role-playing games you're in where you have a GM who wants to sculpt a big story, has all this kind of lore, but has trouble with player retention, which causes a huge problem with lore when you're trying to write stuff around the escapades of the players and the players don't come back. And of course, the big thing that hangs all over all of this was Loader Mulch was having a miserable time. And he did something like th- this, in fact, is the huge thesis I want to get at. When you show up at the tabletop, uh, you are showing up with a bunch of other people to tell a story together with everyone else. So why are you hanging out with everyone else? Like, what's the in-character reason? If everyone else was like, you know, stupid or mean or incompetent or you fell for your safety. Like I just said, in the Loader Mulch story, although the character wakes up to steal all his stuff and discovers he's gone. Well, Loader Mulch is gone because people were going to steal his stuff. He knew they would, mm-hmm. and he's gone. So at some level, you know, like, like Loader Mulch just leaves because he's a character in a fictional story and can do that. Even, or a character in real life could just, these people aren't keeping me safe. I'm leaving. But in a tabletop game, players show up with whatever character they have. And there's often some sort of weird expectation that, oh, no, we all have to hang out till the end of the story. Even if we were at each other's throats or we're just terrible people or, you know, we might be backstabbing one another, we're all going to hang out until the end because that's what we do. And so I wanted to talk about Loader Mulch today because he represents several things that I think aren't discussed enough in gaming, such as responsibility to be in a party and piecing out when stuff sucks. So I guess let's go ahead and sort of round robin that with our own experiences, I suppose. Uh how would you phrase this as a question to us? Like, talk about our experiences. Like, uh, the coolest thing we did, or like the time we gave up the opportunity to do stuff to like keep that cohesion. What What would your question be on this for us? I would ask a question. My question would be: Have you been? Have you been the loader much? Had a miserable experience then? Oh man, I'm such a loader mulch. I went and started writing games. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Moment, you know, when 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 you did when do you walk, walk uh you know walk out basically and why? Okay, so uh, lessons I think you're excited about. Why did you go and tell us about the time you walked out on something absolutely horrible? Okay, uh, I've been playing with these folks for years now, and and at first, you know, the whole thing we always sit together and do that is because this was my first and only rpg group so whatever they did i thought is was typical of an rpg group but then i moved to the states for a while i played with some other folks i also played online eventually so i was like no there are other ways to play this game so when i came back to this group and i was i was playing essentially it was the two character two players disagree with each other so they fight each other to the death you know but it really boiled it down to you know the two two characters were glued to each other. They wanted to control the game, these the players really. And so they were angry at the third player for questioning their, you know, their their leadership, right? So my character was a mage. It was a high level, well, mid-level character, eight level, whatever. So I could fly, I could turn invisible. And I was like, I basically decided to fly up to a rock, see what was happening. When I realized that these guys were just gonna kill anybody who was not gonna agree with them, I just peaced out. I took all my all their food, all their water, all their camels, and because it went desert, and I just left. And oh, we're gonna track you. Yeah, well, I can fly for an hour, so you have to go through the desert, 
finding my tracks when I finally land with no sense of direction. Maybe very directed that I went in the well, theory, I think of the trail yeah. of the eagle. Yeah. yeah. Well, you weren't carrying the camel, but but still, no, I was carrying. Yeah, I basically sent the camels in one way and my, whatever I could carry another right. way, and that was. But if you end. left the game, there's no way to know what actually happened because you left the game, right? Yeah. So I I, I basically had to learn which because I knew that eventually what was going to happen was my character, you know, was not going to accept what these two players were doing. And that was an old time behavior that I actually called them out. I was like, listen, guys, I'm not going to play a game where you two decide that it, you're the, the main stars, you're, you're the, the, the principal characters, and everybody is, is your you know, henchman, right? Like, okay, fine, fine, whatever. We're not going to do that. And then they did this. And then, you know, months later, they're like, oh, no, the, the, the player they did to this that came back is like, oh, good for them. I'm not going to return because you guys don't get it that this is not this is not cool, right? This is not something right. that should happen, right? So. And 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 that's something that that has been endemic to D and D for a long time. Like when you when you play D and D first edition, they let you pick any alignment you wanted, but then they would say like paladins won't mix with an evil party, and so um, but you also had the problem where barbarians won't mix with wizards. So if someone makes a barbarian and someone else makes a wizard, what are they supposed to do? There were no provisions for that. It didn't say if somebody already has a barbarian does that mean no one else is allowed to play a wizard or does that mean if a wizard shows up the barbarian player has to leave the fact that there's no discussion of it is a toxicity because it means the book says you have to behave in this certain way but we're not going to guide you who might be what teenagers stupid kids playing a game who are you know like i was a stupid kid so as we all know teenagers never argue about anything that they have yeah. social skills. Now, fast forward to today, and you've got the weird problem where you've got D&D 5th edition that's removed all of this. Everyone can hang out with everyone else and build any character you want. I'm not saying it's bad to build any character you want, but there's, like, I mean, someone's probably going to contradict me on this later, but there's not a lot of discussion in it of when you make your characters of, should we all work together and hang out together? You know, like, like why are we a unit together? What binds us together and why do we care? In theory, it's because we all get along and we all want to solve stuff. Something I've complained about in the past where the game just assumes that you all have unity of purpose. But yeah, it's like you see this stuff a lot in old school gaming where it was like they didn't tell us what to do. And when we were jerks to each other, what we were supposed to do. Yeah, it's part of the unwritten rules of the game, right? You're supposed to act in a certain way and but. You know, right, the, the, I do like it, the modern stuff. Like I was down on session zero, but I was down on session zero in our previous podcast because I don't believe I was worried they don't actually work, and mm-hmm. that's why I was kind of down on it. Where if we're going to discuss why we're together and why we're you know working together, I know there's a lot of modern games, like especially powered by the apocalypse stuff, that lets you write down relationship numbers and has you come up with reasons of why you like other people in your party, which I think is a positive step. Uh, I, I'd like to see that, that, you know, like more process to the idea that it's the the players. This is gonna, I'm going to say something that I have people fight me on this. It's the responsibility of the player to make a character who would get along with the other player characters. And by get along, I mean hang out and work for a communal purpose. Because if you're not working for a communal purpose because role-playing equals infighting or something like that, in the real world, people would steal your stuff, they would stab you, they would leave you for dead, or they would do an MMO thing and just wander off. And if you're not doing something to have a reason of why I'm still here, 
you know, in any sense of any, in a narrative sense, it makes no sense because people will leave. And a game sense, you're bringing down the team. Yeah. Okay. I think adding to the session zero, I think it's, it, it can even go further. I think I mentioned when we talked about it, that it's not simply session zero, but it will be like session one plus, right? Because those questions yeah. are cool, but I would put, put them at the end of the first session, right? Because it's like, well, now you had a session working together. You kind of get a taste of what your character is like and other characters that can change. But based on that, what would be the answers to these questions? That way, you know, people can decide, yeah, I'm going to keep my character or not because it's not working or whatever, right? So that first session could be the, you know, session zero sets him up, first session tested, and it's like, okay, now we kind of get a feel for what it is and can proceed from there. Yeah. Always always leaving the door open for that discussion, never saying, okay, we set it down and never yeah, again and, are we going to talk about this because we it's a it's a rule now, you know. Right. And formalizing that, like, like well, I mean, like as in we have a structure in the game. A lot of times we talk about unwritten rules, we're talking about informal stuff, stuff that we don't have, we don't sit down. A, an actual sit down, structured, formal setting where we sit down and discuss, this is what we expect out of the game and these were where our characters to be, I think goes a long way to keeping people from having uh, bad expectations. Yeah. Red, you haven't? <laughs> yeah, what, what have you got, Red? You're, you're staring so oh, intensely. Sorry. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily gel. Overall, I, I understand what we're talking about here is, you know, problems in communication and in interpersonal relationships at the table, and that stuff cannot be avoided all the time. Like, it's just something people are going to run into. I think my issue with the lauder munch munch uh, example is that it feels a little bit like to me like weaponizing game mechanics to make a point which strikes me as a little bit immature but i understand we've all been there we've all done it i've done it too um, well, i don't know what you mean by 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 weaponizing if you were in uh i mean i can understand like it's not the perfect story uh, it's just a story i like because you also never see that in fantasy like in a normal fantasy novel they have this comic relief guy dragged all the way through it um <laughs> But, um, uh, I mean, it's not, there's no game mechanics in the Loader Mode story. Loader Mode shows up, hangs out, and leaves. There's, there's no game mechanic that prevents you from being. That's true. Um, and maybe I'm projecting this onto another conversation we had. It was a Spoonie uh, video oh, about God. their uh, vampire <laughs> experience. It was a LARP. But yeah. I won't reference that. Let's, let's stay in, oh, gosh, let's stay yes. in podcast here. <laughs> yeah, I'll stay, stay within our own experience. Well, and, right. And I, so, to, well, to build on that, because I think you're right. So the Spoonie story is a little different, too. Not going into big details. Spoonie was a toxic player. Spoonie was the opposite of Loader Mulch. What I liked about the Loader Mulch story was, in theory, it would be a guy who RP'd and didn't have any fun, so they left. What's yeah. worse is when someone stays and hangs around and is toxic to the entire concept of the game, where I never get to do what I want, so I'm just going to go ahead and do things on the sly, and the GM's not going to quite understand what I'm doing or stop me and ruin everyone else's fun by hanging around. That's a worse That's thing to be true. doing. And that is, and that is overt. The Spoonie example is overt. But I'll point yeah. out something in the Lauder Mulch thing, too, is that he takes the loot and bolts. No, um, no, no, no. In the original story, it's um, when he beats up the guys on the shore, he gets a sort of sharpness. Right. And and then stows it away and goes to bed. And so the other character wakes up in the middle of the night and says, I'm going to go steal a sword of sharpness. And then okay, there's so it was already where, where people are fighting over. Everyone assumes that Kugel, the main character, has killed Bodermolch and stolen all of his stuff. So Kugel lies to everyone else. And so it, it, it's a huge involved bullshit. And I love it so much. <laughs> but no, it, it's, it's, if you read, yeah, I mean, to quote the example, the reason why I really like it is 
you know, Lodermulch is a team player. He deliberately goes out of his way to defeat a threat that's threatening to kill the PCs. Um, uh, he's not, you know, he's not sabotaging them and leaving, which is what the stories we were talking about. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which I understand, which some people do. I mean, people are petty. I'm petty. Um, and, uh, but also that's when I talk about like, like what happened to this game or story that made this happen? Was this inevitable? That's the thing I don't like where they just say, well, problem, the logic that problem players are just problem players. They just would have been terrible people anyway, no matter what. I mean, even our Spoonie story is that when Spoonie shows up, they make him have the other vampire players make him have a miserable time. So he turns into a spiteful player and makes everyone else have a miserable time. And it's kind of like, you know, all of this could have been avoided if you guys just weren't miserable assholes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that isn't how all problems could be solved. I, right? I'm going to put myself in a position where I could have been the miserable jackass, but I decided not to. And and maybe okay. in the past I would have been, but I, I didn't this time. Uh, play, uh, play a, a, sun, uh, a Friday game in the nights uh, and a Shadowrun, right? Mm-hmm. And I played Shadowrun before, whatever, but I played more like what's called the black trench coat kind of thing, where it's like, oh, you know, to get seriously. And and we got we got a plan. We got to follow the plans. And then that's how I, that's how I learned to play Shadowrun. I was like, well, that's, that's what you do Shadowrun. Then I play, started playing with this group, and they're pink mohawk all the way right mm-hmm. which is just style and and explosions and just going crazy and the first time i played second time i played i was like in fact I, even the first att- attempt at, at the campaign how dare I you did, not think about things i clearly was being a con uh, I didn't want to be. I thought I was being a team player because I was like, no, I'm going to have a serious story. My character comes from this conflict in, in California and all that. And the GM was like, yeah, I'm going to try to accommodate you, but that's, he didn't say it so far. But it was like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how to do that kind of story. So it kind of fell apart a little bit. Also, some people got sick and, you know, there was COVID started and so all that. So the second time I was like, listen, I actually like these people because they're cool people. There's nothing wrong with them as human beings and they're fun. Maybe I'm the person not having fun. Let me try. Just try. See if it fits me, right? And now they're not going to say my goodbyes uh, if I could play their way. Well, we started chat around again and started with a giant astral chicken attacking a drug bit, a drug den. How do you and, <laughs> as, as it happens in Shadowrun. And I said, you know what? Let's go, let's go with it. This, I, I, I played a, a cat shaman. shaman. I, I never said, I don't know how to say that anyway. Um, who was basically like an anime, you know, cat boy, you know, in the astral plane. It's like, I'm just going to go with it. You know, I'm not in charge. I'm just another player, you know, because because I was in, kind of insisting having this very tragic backstory, very serious stories. I was kind of taking over the, the, the game, right, without wanting to. And so everybody else was like, yeah, we, he's a new guy. We don't want to make him feel, you know, like he doesn't belong. But yeah, you know, and I could feel the, the, the it's like, you know what? I can just step back, play my anime cat boy and be, have fun, right? He wasn't the most powerful character like that. He was mostly the face, right? Which if you look at this face, you would have never believed that. But still, mm-hmm. that was a role playing, yeah. right? Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> and so that's what I went with. And I had a great time. Yeah. And I think this one is a good one because it brings up the expectations of players where you clearly were not on the same page as they were at some point, but that was never directly communicated necessarily beforehand, right? And Shad- also, if you read the rules of Shadowrun, Shadowrun is like, you know, the shadows are dark and all that. Yeah, well, Shadowrun. All, all, all that stuff, German stuff, which is crazy. <laughs> Shadowrun is one of my poster children. I mean, the name, Shadowrun. What do you do? Well, you're a runner. You run in the shadows. You are a mysterious force. And, and that's why we have 20 tons of explosives in the back. And giant pink mohawks. Yeah, Shadowrun <laughs> is... Um, 
you know, um, but I mean, I was going to be snide here and say, yeah, because that's how fun works. Fun's a, fun's just a switch. You just turn it on and now you're having fun. You just decide to have fun and then you do. Which, um, once again, like, no, that's not how that works. Uh, it's um, I'm 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 kind of mean about that, but yeah, no, it's it it's the uh, expectation. Um, I mean, I did want to interject real quick here and like, well, I'll just do another sure. quick story. The Loader Mold story empowered me because after I read it, I went to go play Dungeons and Dragons and I was playing with a crew and it was miserable. They were um, they they were doing that thing. Oh my god, there's that thing where some players have decided that if you didn't make an attack against the monster or hit the monster, you don't get any experience points for killing it. I hate that. Okay, I this pops into people's heads. This has never, ever, ever been a rule in any version of Dungeons and Dragons. Ever. And yet people will argue it for some reason. Yeah. So I'm among the other things, like I was in the crew and it's like, hey guys, I'm the cleric, so I didn't attack at all because I spent the entire round debuff, you know, healing you guys. Are you saying I get no XP for that encounter whatsoever? And they said, well, you know, that's the way we play. And I said, okay. And then we, uh, by the way, this is D&D third edition. And by the time you're at third edition, cursed items are um, an optional rule. Mm-hmm. So we then found a treasure trove that was full of nothing but cursed items. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Published adventure, by the way, go all direct. Uh, so, um, Yeah, so I literally, in the middle of the session, faked an excuse and left because I was having that miserable of a time. And, you know, the game kept running after I was gone, so I'm glad. But it was kind of like, you know, um, I mean, I wouldn't have felt empowered if I hadn't read the story of just thinking, you know, this isn't for me. I don't have to stay. And this is before your internet where we can get on and find looking for group streaming. It was like, yeah, I I, I felt like, you know, I don't want to be the spoonie in the story and make everybody miserable. I don't want to act out or anything. No one's paying attention to my character and I hate this game. Yeah. So I I think I got like two, two stories. One's like a reverse and one's like straight. Uh, a lot of the time when I play, like, I have, like, a trio of people, me and two other friends, who basically are, like, the, I'm a conspiratorial thinker, I think way far in the future, but I have no idea what's going on right now. I got someone who's in the middle of the road, and then I got someone who actually reacts to stuff. When we three play together, it's a great combo, and we usually always have fun. So when I'm playing with them, usually everything is going perfectly fine. So it's hard for me to, like, come up with a load merch story, but I do have two things. One is sort of like a reverse loader mulch, where both players were actually having fun with this. Uh, the reason I'm friends with Theta here, our editor in the background, is we literally started having an argument and threw each other's characters out of windows. Uh, this was because the GM fell asleep and started <laughs> Wait, snoring. Yes, Wait, in the middle of the game, the GM fell asleep, started snoring, and we decided, well, we're just going to roleplay it out, and our characters are a little bit antagonistic. You want to just have some fun and fight? I assume this was a, this was an online game. This was an online game, yes. otherwise, you could That's poke amazing. them with a <laughs> Oh, no, no. If, if someone falls asleep during the game, I just kind of let them... But, uh, so that's sort of like my reverse little remote, where despite the game being unfun, we, we retook it for a little bit of our own. And then we left later. Yeah. <laughs> because we clearly didn't want to so stick around for that. Each other out of window. That's impressive. I guess you just grapple each other and just pull fell the window at the same time? Or? Yeah, his stronger character threw mine out. My, uh, character commanded him to jump out. Ah! <laughs> nice. Or maybe it was the reverse of that. Well, something like that. Something like that, but it was amusing. Uh, as far as like the real loader mulching, though, uh, I used to have the world's worst dungeon master. 
and I was playing with my friends, so I'm having fun with my friends, but all of us agreed that this person is the worst person ever. But it took us some time to realize that. Uh, about the time we're figuring this out is where this story happens, and I think probably is where my turning points start happening, and I decided I'm just probably going to kill my character, because that's what the DM wants to keep doing to everyone here. So, we end up on a scenario where we're on an abandoned island. Or what seems like an abandoned island. There's like a mountain where there's probably a weird temple, and there's like a... Eventually, there's a ship. So I go, okay, I don't know anything about this island. I'm going to go ahead and take to the beach, circle around it so I can see, like, how big this is or what's available or if there's any signs, like, on the beach because people would go there. And it's a beach, so there should be plenty of open space for me to be aware so I can see my surroundings. And I'm thinking this through. I'm, I'm trying to avoid death because I know this GM. And the GM goes, all right, as you're walking along, you get ambushed by a tiger and eaten to death. Like, Really? Where did it come from? It surprised you. It's like, but where did it come from? So that's sort of like a strike one of that session. It keeps going. He eventually kind of goes, okay, okay, okay. You, you, you come back to life. You come back to the group. Because he was punishing me for walking off from them. So we come back to the group and we go, all right. So there's a strange ship that comes in. And it's got ghostly things and you can see treasure up there. It's like, you know what? This seems obviously like a trap. We probably shouldn't go there. It's dangerous. And he goes, no, no, no. The allure of treasure compels you. <laughs> the allure of treasure compels you. Your character must walk up onto the ship and go there. It's like, okay, okay. So what happens? Well, roll initiative. Well, you roll low and there's some ghouls here. So what happens? Well, you know, you fail your fortitude save, you get paralyzed, and my character immediately dies. I'm going to write that down. Yes, <laughs> yes uh, You know, it's that belongs the on allure the allure of treasure compels you. It is, it is honestly the standout quote of this person. I'm going to put that into uh, in the, on the script. I'm going to put that in, in quotations like, Griffin uh, questions the ship. Come on, uh, open brackets. Uh, the allure of okay, Griffin says no. This is a trap. Yeah, yes, I can see how this trip is shaping up nicely here. So I think he also turns my character into goblin, and the other characters have to kill him as well a second time, which is also hilarious. Wow, but the session's killer. not even over. I love the session's his, not even over. I do Two love his events. interpretive style to uh, <laughs> materializing tigers and transforming people into goblins at the drop of a hat. This guy knows so, what he's doing. Oh, absolutely. So two more things will happen, and it happens to other characters, because mine's dead now. They eventually go to the center of island, they go to the temple, and there's like a corridor, straight line, five feet wide, 30 feet long, and immediately one of my friends is like, oh, you know, this seems like the perfect corridor for a lightning bolt trap. And the DM immediately goes, panics, and goes, no, no, you don't know that exists. Roll roll knowledge to see if you know what a lightning bolt is. Like, are you serious? <laughs> well, okay, I guess uh, we rolled low. I guess we'll just walk on into the trap then. And it happens. Is that even surprising? <laughs> I mean, uh, no, he had the balls to stick with his original plan. Good for him. <laughs> but there's one character that does absolutely survive it. Maybe with a little bit of damage. Warforged Paladin, I think, at the time. So he's immune to diseases, he can cure diseases, he's cool. He goes up, he opens up like a crypt, and it's like, well, you get infected by a disease. It's like, wait, but I'm the Warforge. Yeah, but you get infected. No, it yeah, says here, I'm immune to diseases. <laughs> no, I, and he goes, no, no, I don't, I, I want a difference. Like, but you looked at this and read it and approved it beforehand, right? It's like, well, it doesn't apply anymore. 
Yeah. And it's about that time our group went from playing his game straight to trying to turn them into the biggest gags we possibly could. Yeah, and and that's why, uh, the reason why I prefaced all this with the Loader Melt story, the reason why he was my hero was I realized that I could try to make my own fun by sabotaging the game that I was in, Mm -hmm. but I could also go leave and do something that's more fun. Right. At that time, I was a teenager. I I didn't even have a ride half the time, so it's like, well, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and see what fun way I can get myself killed and get out of this. Because you're so desperate, and you want want to make this work so hard. I mean, I'm sure that's still Mm -hmm. true in the modern day, that people want to make this work so hard that they're (laughs) willing to... That a bad experience is better than no experience. But I think... um, Oh, yeah. When you look at, like, RPG horror stories and stuff, you realize that, like, this is the only pastime where people would put themselves in these circumstances where they're being like emotionally sexually abused and yet they stick around and you're like why and it's because for some people um, well, that's just what you gotta only... do i think it's true for other scenarios too it's because you're expected to be there or you don't have many other options so you just kind of stick around for whatever abuse is coming your way and go I well mean, yeah it's better than nothing n- not to get too heavy on this but not to get too heavy yeah, there there are gamer experiences where folks on you know online games and MMOs and that sort of thing put up with guild politics uh, or harassment. Remember, online reactions are not rated by the ESRB. That's right. That's <laughs> I was just talking about human ESRB. society, and yeah, the ESRB that gets is pretty dark. Joke because every game's online. Um, but the thing yeah. is, I'm thinking, why did wasn't the deceased just rust? I mean, because uh, apparently four words are made out of wood. Because the DM was not that interesting or clever. No, that, that's, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing I wanted to say. Where, where, like, you know, like, like, yeah, uh, yeah, Loader Mulch I talked about because his story was there's no overt GM in it. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. because he doesn't like the players who are like being. But yeah, you might also have a bad GM. Like, I didn't tell the story of the one time I was playing a paladin and the game master wanted to do some weird kind of seduction scenario and i had to point out like you know one of my specific powers is that i'm immune to charm it's right here on my list uh and uh so i can't be charmed um and um and the gm said well you're charmed anyway and it was like okay um validate your entire character choice that's why you read your player's character sheets i do have a very very bad story that i'm gonna preface by what got us into the problem i don't it's so bad, it kind of became a running I'm joke. I'm excited. Now, in that same group, but eventually, looking back, it's not funny at all. Uh, let's say that it involves, it's a superhero game. Men, okay, a villain with, uh, yeah, a yeah. villain with super, uh, their, their superpower being extremely high numbers in, 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 in basically, in mental control. And, oh, my God. Uh, and video recording devices. Uh, maybe we should stop there because everything about this. That's all I'm going to say. I will not say anymore. Fill in your own blank here. I can imagine yeah. this being a it's recipe. The, the worst session I ever played. It became legendary bad in my group. And looking bad, it was like, oh my God, why did I not just walk up and just play? Well, superhero <laughs> games. Superhero tabletop role-playing games are the worst idea you can ever get involved in, ever. I say that after the highest-rated game on our channel is a mastermind. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, they're written by people who aren't professional comic book writers. It means they're worse than comic books. And, oh, oh man, I'm just, I'm just bragging everybody today. <laughs> so you're going to get some of the most toxic, bad ideas. And it, almost every superhero role-playing game 
is an excuse for the GM to show off how awesome they are, like how great they were at manipulating. Like the worst D&D story you have is not as bad as the worst vampire story that you have is not as bad as the worst superhero game because they will throw villains at you who have powers that are basically omnipotent, can make you do whatever you want or kill you instantly, but they have numbers. So now it's fair. I like how we have created our cringe hierarchy and I'm surprised that <laughs> fantasy made it at the top of the list, but yeah, you know, I'm not going to well, argue that either. <laughs> superhero and vampire and then fantasy. Well, oh yeah. I mean that like somehow fantasy the best of the worst the, the worst best. of the best yeah the best of the worst uh but you're you're totally right i think there's much more potential for vampire to go way off the rails and of all of them i have no love for superheroes in any of their myriad forms um, i mean i'm working on a superhero game i love superhero gaming and i think most players like would mm-hmm. but there's just something about them that uh uh, it's that blank slate. It's the idea that the superhero game says, okay, we're going to make a bunch of rules, but you make up a good story. And that's a recipe for disaster because... Uh, I think it's also a misunderstanding of the comic book genre that they're emulating, right? Because people yeah. look at comic book genre and go like, oh, the great things is when the Titans met the, you know, the, the X-Men, and that was a great stuff. So, or hey, when somebody with magic power shows up and defeats the entire, you know, group right, or whatever. Except you live, we live post Zack Snyder. I mean, most yeah. people's experience is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, like, I'm sick and tired of people saying, like, superheroes never kill anyone. We mean they never kill anyone. We just watched the entire Marvel saga. Dozens of people die on screen, killed by our main characters. If you go over to DC, Superman kills people. It's like every, you know, we've had Batman movies since 1989, and every Batman movie, the bad guy freaking dies. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, superheroes kill, you know, this entire idea of superheroes killing is, like, older is like at least 30 years old now. It's older than the comic. But but, uh, what I really mean is um, most comic book, especially the hardcore fans, what they really like is when they get all their heroes in one page, even if it doesn't make any sense, right? But to make a good RPG, you have to understand some of the uh, limitations of different heroes and different strata and stuff like that. So like you're playing, for example, street levels and the same thing as cosmic level and stuff like that. And that's when you have all these powers thrown into the same book. It's like time travel is the same thing as running through a wall, you know, or up well, a wall, right? Or yeah, like um, yeah, or mind control, yeah. which has or lots mind of... control, or, or or simply the best power in most, and therefore the worst, in all superhero games is one, magic. Oh, my character right, has right, magic. That includes mind control. But, yeah, it includes um, everything. Well, it includes everything. I can just emulate it yeah. and magic, you know. And, and I guess this wouldn't be, um, this wouldn't be an LF if Rafferty didn't complain about performative role-playing, but, um, like, one of the things, one of the caveats here is that, um, uh, like the loader mode story is irrelevant if you were doing a performative game. If this was like something we were streaming for the entertainment of other people, then a character like Loader Mulch, who is getting the butt of all the jokes and is not only the best character in the party, but also getting his butt kicked and everyone treats him like a butt monkey or whatever. Um, it's um, you know, that would be great theater to watch. Mm-hmm. And so if that was your job to do that, or if you thought that was entertaining of I'm great, but everyone's miserable, then um, you might keep doing that. And, and but, uh, you know, and this, you know, I've seen that kind of stuff in the streams. And that's another thing that I also wonder about when it comes to goals, because nowhere in the tabletop setting, or this has been an issue with me for a while now that you know about, the books don't say your job is to be entertaining. You come to the game to entertain other people at the table. They're always telling you, make the character of your imagination, express Mm -hmm. yourself, define yourself any way you want, 
because it's imagination. Mm-hmm. And and that's not the same thing as being entertaining and being, you know, for people. Yeah. It's also the same thing as being part of a party. You can't be anything you want, but also hang out with a bunch of other people. You'd have to make someone who would hang out with other people, which might not be what you want to do. And that's, you know, like, once again, it's those huge mixed messages. That's another reason why Loader Mulch was a revelation to me, because I'm starting to think, like, you know, there needs to, we need to set some sort of ground rule that everyone is here because they want to express themselves. And so we should have moments in the game that let people express what it is that they want to do, whether that's what the GM really wants to do, like with their story or whatever. We're all talking about when the GM wanted you to be charmed or wanted you to go somewhere you didn't want to, so they forced you. It's like, that's bad because that doesn't make me feel empowered as my character. Right. And I think, uh, speaking of performative, I think there's something that I frequently end up doing in games, which come uh, relates to this, which is creating the character who is miserable. Where I, as the player, am having fun having this avatar of a character I'm playing have a terrible time. Yes, my character is going to walk up to the Hulk and then get punched in the face and is going to cry. This was exciting. <laughs> Some people are into that. Uh, um, I'm a big fan or of Or rather, the- it's, it's fun because, as a performance, I'm entertaining everyone else by having this person demonstrate how pathetic they are, which then amplifies how heroic everyone else seems to be in the same situation. You need at least one straight man to land the joke, right? If you're um, willing to accept that as a role, that's a role that you want to be in it. But if it's yeah. not a role you it, want to have it... Exactly. It's not something you can necessarily force on other people, and it's not what a lot of other people are thinking, but it's one I have fun with because it makes everything else a lot more, a lot funnier in the process. I'm, uh, I'm right there with you, Griffin. I think about half of my, my characters are either um, idiot, naive optimists, or they are <laughs> cynical uh, misanthropes. And cynical misanthropes often become the butt of the party jokes, but it's fun. Right, exactly. Um, and Shadrun's story, of course, would be, uh, I was playing a concept that I've mentioned uh, offstream, a troll paladin. Former Doc Wagon guy, he's magic, he's a medic, he has a riot shield, he owns a car he barely fits into. So for a session where he's involved, he's driving a car along, and some cybered-up assassins literally drop off, drop in onto the roof of the car, use these monofilament whips, and dip into the passenger seat next to him. And I kind of think, so this is a monofilament whip, a dangerous weapon that goes literally everywhere, within a confined space, and I'm stuck in a chair as a troll that I barely fit into. All right, first action, I'm controlling the vehicle. Second action, I'm going to scream for my life. There's no other option here. Yeah. And the character isn't even diminished by that. He's just having a normal reaction, but that enforces the danger of the scenario to me, and that made it more fun as a performative part of the experience. But it's one I opt into, not one where I'm having a terrible experience because I'm about to get cut to ribbons by an assassin. If I can... I can tag yeah. up on that. My um, absolutely last Iron Claw character was a Raven who was a gambler and was very intelligent. He considered himself to, he was kind of a con artist, right? Grew up on the streets, but acted noble, had expensive clothing because he had won so much gambling, but also illiterate as many characters there are in that world. However, mm-hmm. not in our party. 
our party was full of lettered peoples who all uh and he would never he would never admit to not being able to read because he needed to keep this image of himself up as being the most intelligent person so he got himself into a lot of situations where he'd be like reading the bounty sheet or something like that and like puzzling over it and then trying to ask leading questions to the other characters to figure out what the thing said without giving away that he obviously couldn't read and that was endlessly entertaining <laughs> yeah. And oh, that's gonna, fantastic, actually. See, I'm going to sit here and rain on everybody's parade because I'm no fun. And it's like, uh, I love these stories of people, but I often, wor- my one of my big worries about role-playing games is that uh, we're all coded to be comic relief. Uh, I, I talked about this in the Rosencrantzing session where I said, like, you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't matter. So we, we can, like, be fun and crack-wise and play these characters who are delightfully incompetent or over their heads. And that works really well in most gaming because most of the time you are in over your heads. There's challenge ratings and everything has to try and kill us. And mm-hmm. I always worry that, like, okay, but if we're casting the game that way, you know, we're throwing out the idea that we might actually be heroes. We might actually be anime characters. We might be people from Mob Psycho 100 or... Mm-hmm. Um, you might actually be the person for the job. We, we might actually, you know, be cool, calm, and controlled, or professionals, where we have enough skill that we can pull off the rare abilities, where, you know, we're good at what we do, where we want to control loss, where we want to show discipline. I mean, my favorite thing to do is to buy a bunch of powers and then never use them, because, you know, <laughs> like, they just be sitting on them, so when I have to use them, I can. It's something I love in anime. It's, you know, like the old joke of you you just know that when that guy finally unloads, it's going to be good. It, and, and that's extremely difficult for GMs to understand. They don't understand why is Rafferty not doing anything? And then when Rafferty does something, oh, we must be cheating. We should stomp on his face because he's ruining my storyline. Turns out mm-hmm. you can get diseases. Um, and, yeah, and I want to uh, emphasize on that storyline because I, I have a phrase when I, people say that. It's like, um, you know, whose story is it anyway? Yes. And the, and, right. And, and that's why I've been talking about performative play a lot because in performative play, the story is the audience. It's what, you know, we don't have dead air. We don't have fights because there's an audience. And so, you know, if, if that if it's the audience's story, then all of the players will be professional actors and try to be as entertaining as possible for the audience. But for the most part, when we're playing a tabletop game, we're playing it for ourselves. You know, who's the game for? It's for me. I showed up, the book said I could be any character in this book, and I wrote somebody. I want to be a sleek shadow runner and a black trench coat you know that's what i want to be and i wrote that and i told everybody at the table that's what i am i wrote down on a sheet and it's right here where you can read it look numbers that back this up and then to be invalidated uh you know that have that experience you know be a no sell to other players or the gm uh is i'm just gonna say it's a violation of trust because if you like once again if you read the text of the role-playing game nowhere in there does it say and if other people don't validate your character roll with it like it doesn't say that anywhere in the book yeah it it, it might say you know don't be a jerk and get along with everyone else but it doesn't say if you showed up with a chaotic evil warlock that's you know uh, i would i would write this i would write this in any book that i'm writing which i'm actually writing one anyway (laughs) uh i would put the rule for the gm because uh, I like to put all these rules that are supposed to be unwritten, but I'm going to put them anyway, even though people are like, but everybody should know that. But I don't care. If they're not written, they're not the rule. Uh, I would put the rules to the GM as a tool. like nothing exists until it hits the table. So you <laughs> a plot, a plot, you don't have a plot. You have ideas. You have goals. You have plot points. You don't have a plot because nothing has happened yet. Your players haven't done anything. Plot is 
Well, and, and, and also like the story, right? Well, so it, that, that 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 would help. Were now, you asking course, about killing Superman? Was that you? Yes, I was asking about right. That. I mean, that's one of the things. One of my favorite threads is like, how do we kill? Like when GMs say, "I'm overwhelmed by my players." This can happen a lot in point-based games. Like GURPS is a game I have a love-hate relationship with because GMs were constantly overwhelmed by how skilled the players are. GURPS is a game where you get hundreds of points. You can have hundreds of skills. And so GMs can get overwhelmed by the sheer amount of special abilities you have and at what level. And I kept running into GMs who, like, you know, didn't know that or I would show up. Like, you don't want me in your game. Because I would invoke some strange rule that I know about that suddenly I could just unleash on people um, because I, I was there for that. That's I'm a crunchy gamer and I love that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, I, I think that's when I settled into uh, some of the mode of, you know, gaming isn't about killing the player characters. It's not about killing Superman. Superman's a great example of that because if you go through the hundred years of history of Superman stories, they have com- lots of compelling stories to tell, none of which involve someone trying to kill Superman. So uh, they're, they're, they're usually about someone that Superman cares about is in trouble. And like, that's the other, uh, that's the last reason why I brought up Loader Mulch. Loader Mulch was a team player. When other people in his party got threatened, he cared about getting a solution that got everyone through it alive. And that's why I always worry about the default solution that people fall upon where, well, I'll just be a shiftless coward and comic relief character who, you know, doesn't exert any influence and just reacts to everything. I think we're cheating ourselves out of the heroic mole, the character who yeah. cares about something outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, they don't necessarily have to succeed at it, but it's kind of like, you know, that's my fantasy. I want to be someone who helps other people and gets other stuff done for other people. Because in yeah. real life, my ability to do that is slim to none. And uh, But the way role-playing games are presented is constantly comic relief, where you're just a selfish little character who, compelled by the prospect... The allure of treasure. You're overwhelmed by the allure of treasure. Yet again, yeah. my one yeah. flaw. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, the idea that you might actually have things like, you know, you know, codes of honor or care about other people and that kind of stuff that's compelling to a lot of people at the table and i really think mm-hmm. the role-playing games are selling that short that gms are punishing players for it by ignoring it or making it pointless and other players if other players are all silly and the tone of the game is there's no stakes to anything and we're all just a bunch of murder tourists that also undermines that too and i really mm-hmm. want to see like the games i I want to, I, yeah. I'm gonna the the motivation is important. It, it allows you thinking, to be heroic. I'm already thinking about people in the chat who say, well, there are games like that. I'm going, I, yeah, but often the games often go too far the other way where mm-hmm. there's stuff that I care about. And like as much as I want to praise Homeward or whatever, Homeward's also a game that is very much you're going home and, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and you react to those sorts of things. But you're not actually, you don't save anybody in Homeward. You can't be violent. That's the game that says you're a, a war veteran, you're going home. So you will not actually engage in any action-oriented behavior. Uh, I think they're the opposite, where where they've removed that choice from from you. Yeah, I think most games either don't have motivations per written, or they do two of things. They they do it in a sort of uh, yeah, want to give you motivation, but usually as a penalty. 
like oh, take this motivation, but we'll give you extra points. But because you have, oh, you have to care about your family. Well, we're going to give you four points of something or other, or five or fifteen, whatever, because yeah. that's a penalty on you. You we're, have to care about other people. And you're going to something positive, yeah. And you're going yeah. now to take those ten points and never bring this up again. Yeah, because um, you take it so you can put it somewhere else, or it's in the background, right? Oh, oh here's the space background. Okay, you dump it there, and that's it. Yeah, the favorite bug up my butt where D and D or Pathfinder will say, "Okay, everybody starts with an alignment with a cause you care about," and half your players choose neutral, so we hmm. don't care about anything, and half our players choose oh, chaotic man. good, where where we don't care about anything, but we self identify as not a bastard. There's so that's a part of the alignment discussion we haven't had. The neutral is worthless. (laughs) Yeah, no, I would actually have a house rule where everybody has to communally pick alignments as part of Mm. second zero. You'll still get a party of neutrals and chaotic goods, but 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 also after having the discussion of what kind of campaign they want to play, because if you tell me you want to be heroic or want to make a a shiftless cowardly character that never does anything you know because you just want to just go you know want to make sure that you just survive period then it's like okay we're not i would literally tell the player okay we're not on the same page here roman to pay my respects to the true neutral druids of old who are like yeah you know you could be a part of the battle and then decide to change sides because it's not an even fight yeah, but, but that was that, literally a second edition description, I believe. Wow, but but, but there was, uh, yeah, and, and uh, well, that gets also into the like, get this back to the core thing is like the idea yeah. is should our party be of unified purpose? Like, a big problem with games like Dungeons and Dragons and Shadowrun, uh, is that we're all murder tourists, uh, who are doing something, uh, because um, we're here to make money. Uh, in a game like Vampire, um, for some reason, they grab one person from different clans. You think a one clan would send their clan guys to do it, but no, they pull them together from different clans. And usually you're compelled to do it for some reason, like some higher up is telling you, go do this, because you're not necessarily investigating it or trying to build your own empire that happens on your own. Mm-hmm. So, And once again, you're a motley crew who literally have like reasons not to hang out with each other. So some of you might be all suave and sophisticated. Some of you might be the Joker. And mm-hmm. and you actually actively hate each other. Uh, and then, of course, we already talked about Paranoia, which I believe is the role-playing <laughs> game that grew up because you ran into this problem of parties being backstabbing assholes. So someone wrote a whole role-playing game around it. Mm-hmm. And, I want, and I guess my last thesis here is, like, I would like to see folks, like, we're seeing a lot more talk lately in the games about working together. The idea that you're not some special snowflake who shows up at the table and gets everything you want handed to you because you said you want it. But also the game master is not an authoritarian autocrat and, you know, rocks fall, everyone dies type character. And the idea that if we're going to work together to tell a story, we need to define the parameters of what that story is going to be. And then we need to give people time to shine. And I'm once again want to emphasize this is for non-performative gaming. If gaming is supposed to be an experience where I get to build a character and have other people validate it in front of me, that means that we all have to agree we're going to validate each other. Yeah, that's a good conclusion, Dan. Uh, what do you got to say, Red? Um, I think that <clears throat> I agree with what where Rafferty's coming from. I think, but to build on top of it, I would say that I think uh, it is a little presumptive to think that everyone's motivation at the table is to enact a power fantasy or a heroic fantasy um or even an empowered fantasy to make it more specific like yes presumably everyone's coming there 
because they want to build a capable character who's capable of doing the good or evil or whatever that that the player wants them to be able to do. But for my own part, I will say, in the defense of Warren, the haughty, uh, uh, misanthropic gambler, um, you know, I wanted to play a character who would be useless in combat, but would be very useful in other aspects of the game, just out of curiosity. And the his misanthropic personality, I think, developed into something that was fun, and the act of him actually learning to care about the other characters and vice versa was also fun to watch right. and, and rewarding and fulfilling in its own right. right and that really wouldn't happen if everyone treated him like a respected member of the group, even as he was treating them like ignoramuses, like well, lesser. But I want to turn this around and saying like, um, you know, there's a difference between being, you know, the comic relief or the, um, you know, like they were willing to put up with your character. True. Yes. Like they, they, they weren't going to steal your stuff while you were gone or backstab you or sabotage your relationships. They were, you wanted to play as someone that was haughty and misanthropic. And that was validated by the game because you had opportunities to do those things. If the game master didn't give you opportunities, like if the game was just nothing but combat all the time, you wouldn't be telling us the story. You would be telling us how you went to a, you matter of fact, probably wouldn't tell us by the time you went to a game, played a few sessions, were bored out of your mind because you didn't get to be haughty or misanthropic, and then left. You would have loader mulched. I suppose so, yeah, or rolled up a different character. What about you, Lessons? What have you got to go ahead and conclude this all with? I think, I mean, I think this goes down to this into into another subject, which would be GM as player. Right, that changing mm-hmm. attitudes, right? But I do agree very much with Rafferty, and and to a degree again with with, with Red, in that uh, you know it's it's part of the give and take, it's part of the conversation, right? With a capital C, that is role playing games in general, and any one game in particular, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know the parameters are set by the players ultimately. I mean, there's the rules, and we talked about all that rules a lot, but that's part of the parameters, and the other set of parameters are set by the players. And if everybody agrees that a misanthropic Raven can be part of the party because there has to be an understanding between players, not merely between characters, right? Yeah, the characters can fight, and that's cool as long as the players understand that what that's what they're doing and enjoying. I think that's I'm going to tie the two together, saying that it's not merely an understanding of characters; it's also understanding of players, including GM. So otherwise, that's not going to work, and you end up with loader much going like, "Well, they're going to screw me over," so. I'm out, you know? Yeah, and, and I kind of want to emphasize there of, like, that's the kind of character that they wanted to play. Like, I'm I, I'm agreeing with Red, like, you might say, well, my character wasn't working, so I'll play a different one. And that's from coming from the perspective of someone who wants... To, that's a, There's a valid person who plays the character as experiment. Like, you'll see a lot of this in old-school games where they say, roll your character randomly, then whatever appears, play that. It's part of the challenge of role-playing that you don't know what you're going to do. Rise to that challenge. And I'm saying that in a funny voice because it's bullshit. Because, like, some people will do that. But you didn't get, like, Elminster or Drizzt from people who were doing that. Uh, it, it's uh, Some people came to the table because they specifically want everyone to validate my cute and silly cobble. I came to play a silly and cobble today, and by validation I mean I get to do those things and other people point at me and say that is a cute and silly cobble. Uh, you know, that that's validation. Very Everyone important. at the table, they didn't no-sell it. They didn't ignore it. They all agreed that I was playing this kind of character. And um, yeah, so um, uh, as you can tell, I feel very strongly about this because I think I think this is... Very definitely. It's I think it's an area of toxicity that, that 
like like gets hand waved over. Like I worry that people say, well, you should, you know, obviously a player just gets their way all the time. You know, that's being selfish and greedy. It's like, that's not what I'm talking about. That's talking about if someone, if we acknowledge that players can build characters the way they want, we, you know, also have to acknowledge that at some level, and I like that idea of GM as player. So yeah, the word I was looking for, I realized of this is like, that's what I mean by validation. The idea that I said I was this, period, next sentence, and everyone at the table agreed I was this, and third sentence, and then in the game, I expressed myself like this. All three of those have to be true. All right. And I guess go ahead and top it off with my own conclusion. Here's some life advice. If it sucks, just leave. Doesn't matter what it is. Social obligations, relationships, your dumb little town, just just walk out. You can just leave. It's free. <laughs> and that is what I would go ahead and leave off on. Uh, uh, Griffin, we did tell you it was just a game, right? Uh, did did we? <laughs> oh, well, uh... <laughs> well. See you guys. I'm walking out of this. Yeah, game's about playing your fantasy, and isn't it your fantasy to walk away from stuff that's terrible? Oh my gosh, you're right. All right, well then. <clears throat> so, not walking away Welcome from this one, gaming. but... But that's going to be all for this episode of Notes from the ALF. We stream episodes bi-weekly at Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can join us live on twitch.tv slash practice. We also stream and record weekly tabletop games at the same channel, and you can come join us when we start at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Sundays and Wednesdays. Norman Rafferty here is a partner and writer for Sanguine Games. Check out sanguinegames.com, join the Red and Twitter, and look forward to the upcoming Book and Quarrels Ironclaw Expansion book. Don't forget to check out Red Rabbit and book him for a game over at startplaying.games as Red Rabbit. And of course, be sure to check out Lesson Learned at Lesson Learned 1 on Twitch and YouTube. Check out all their wonderful projects. And be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and come see us all again. Until next time.